0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Attorney General's Reference Number 1 of 2022, and the citation for this case is 2022 EWCA CRIM 1259. And if you'd been reading some of the right-wing legal commentary over the past week, you might have thought that the Colston Four, as they became known in the press, had retrospectively been found guilty and sent to jail for the next thousand years. In fact, the decision from the Court of Appeal is nothing like this, and so I thought it might be useful this week on the podcast to explore the decision and offer some clarity. At the time of the verdict itself, I did talk in my newsletter about the importance of jury trials and how politicians were operating to undermine this feature of the Constitution. But I didn't really talk about the Attorney General's reference. There might have been a few grumblings here and there on Twitter, and I'm certainly not Suella Braverman's biggest fan. But the truth of the matter is that she is entitled to make references on Points of Law, and this is an interesting decision that does provide some clarity. If you are not familiar with the case, or have perhaps forgotten about it, then its origins are back in 2020, and the Black Lives Matter protests that began in America, and then also had an impact here in the UK. During one protest in Bristol, a statue of Edward Colston was torn down from its plinth and pushed into a harbour nearby. Four defendants were charged with criminal damage, but were later acquitted by a jury. The reference does not affect that decision, but instead asks the higher courts to consider a point of law raised in the case that is of general public importance. The question here is essentially whether conviction for the offence of criminal damage is inherently a justified interference with the freedom of expression, or does that need separate consideration? The legal basis for this question arises from the 2021 Supreme Court decision of DPP and Ziegler, where protesters disrupted an international arms fair by lying in the middle of the road and using lockboxes. In that case, it was decided that the legislation must be read in a way that is compatible with the European Convention on Human Rights, and so the trial court must consider whether interference is proportionate. There is an episode of the podcast about that case that you can listen to for further context, and I'd encourage you to do so. Anyway, for now, on the basis of Ziegler, the judge instructed the jury that if the other defences raised by the Colston Four should fail, then, quote, Are you sure that convicting the defendants of criminal damage would be a proportionate interference with their rights to freedom of thought and conscience and to freedom of expression. End quote. As I said at the start, the proper interpretation of Ziegler is a totally legitimate question for the Attorney General to refer, and honestly, it seems like it is something that will be clarified by the Supreme Court anyway soon, in the context of the reference by the Attorney General for Northern Ireland in relation to the Abortion Service's Safe Access Zones Northern Ireland bill. Here, the Court of Appeal answered the question by looking at the recent High Court case of Kishuran and DPP, and agreeing with the conclusion that Ziegler, quote, does not lay down any principle that for all offences arising out of non-violent protest, the prosecution has to prove that a conviction would be proportionate to the defendant's rights, end quote. This distinction between violent and non-violent protests is important, and we will come back to it later, but for now there was a question raised whether Kishoran was incorrectly decided on the basis that the courts can't treat Parliament as enacting a criminal offence that, in itself, deals with the issue of proportionality to the extent that no further consideration would be required by a jury as a separate matter. This prompted the Court of Appeal to discuss proportionality in some depth. There was an interesting argument put forward that if the Criminal Damage Act is from 1971 and the Human Rights Act is from 1998, then Parliament would not have considered the issue of proportionality and so it is up to the courts to do so instead as a separate consideration when dealing with an offence from the earlier Criminal Damage Act from 1971. The justices rejected this idea, though, on the basis that the court is entitled to conclude that older provisions inherently address the proportionality of convention rights and say there is no need for a separate consideration in individual cases. In other words, if the prosecution satisfying the various requirements of a particular offence also justifies an interference with convention rights at the same time, then there is no need for further analysis on a case-by-case basis. Of particular relevance here is a recent case from the European Court of Human Rights called Hanjiski and Bulgaria, where someone protested the government by putting a Santa hat on a statue and a sack by its feet. The Colston Four pointed to the part of this decision where it says that an interference with the right to freedom of expression that takes the form of a penalty cannot normally be justified without a detailed assessment. The Court of Appeal rejected this because it does not lay down a general principle, and in doing so, pointed to the following passage of that case, which I think is worth quoting in full. Quote, Public monuments are frequently physically unique and form part of society's cultural heritage. Measures, including proportionate sanctions, designed to dissuade acts which can destroy them or damage their physical appearance, may therefore be regarded as necessary in a democratic society, however legitimate the motives which may have inspired such acts. In a democratic society governed by the rule of law, debates about the fate of a public monument must be resolved through the appropriate legal channels, rather than by covert or violent means. You can sort of see from this why putting a Santa hat on a statue is different to toppling a statue and chucking it in the harbour. Moving on, there was also some discussion around the right to peaceful assembly under Article 11 and what this means. The Court of Appeal again looked at case law, and while it was noted that the protection of the right is not lost because of any intentional or reckless damage that takes place during the protest, it is also true that any of the articles in play, whether that is 9, 10 or 11, do not act as a shield against prosecution when conduct during a protest causes damage to property. Instead, the approach has to be dependent on the context. In the conclusion to this case, it was decided that a prosecution and then subsequent conviction would not attract the protection of the convention if the conduct was not peaceful or if a prosecution and then conviction was proportional. Hopefully this discussion of the case helps to provide a little clarity after politicians like David Wolfson have helped to sow confusion on Twitter. The Attorney General was always entitled to refer a point of law to the Court of Appeal, and the decision by that court is by no means absurd. However, I also don't think that means we have to necessarily agree with what the Court of Appeal decided. Rights like the freedom of expression are central to any democracy, and it often has to be emphasised that this right should only be interfered with in very limited circumstances. Having extra protections in the court in the form of a separate consideration for juries does not seem like it would be a bad thing, and indeed seems reasonable given that the penalty could well be a prison sentence. In any case, this is clearly an area of the law that is still not totally nailed down, and I think we are likely to see more cases over the coming years that help to provide some stability. This judgment does that, but it is not the end of the legal debate. Just this past weekend, we saw a protest against private jets, where a person poured human feces and urine on a Captain Tom memorial. How should this be prosecuted, if at all, in the light of this case? The people who appear to be responsible for the memorial have said that they will seek a prosecution for criminal damage and many will be appalled by the action, but then again, protests are designed to shock. Interestingly, this judgment uses water-soluble paint as an example of the sort of thing that could be sufficient to bring a prosecution, and yet it would be disproportionate as a response in human rights terms. Fecal material is a long way from water-soluble paints, but they are similar in the sense that they do not do permanent damage, and are not violent in the same way that toppling a statue is. Politically, many would support a prosecution, as they would for members of Extinction Rebellion, but the law has to separate the political message from the legal implications of the action, and that is what the courts are currently trying to do across a number of cases. The legal twitterati might spend their days getting sore over decisions, but ultimately the courts have a serious job to do. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye.